0: Praise the Lord, you may be seated. I love that song. I find myself singing that song often and encouraged by it. And um, I hope that you are encouraged today by the Lord, by salvation in Him. Acts chapter number nine, Acts Nine. nine. I pray that our study through the book of Acts has been a help to our church spiritually. We've seen this, we've seen what a healthy church is. And we've seen a church under attack and we know this: that Satan does not want our church to go forward. He wants every—he will do anything he can to stop. And and uh, you know, one way he stops the church from moving forward is not to attack this building, but to attack you, because you're the church. It's us that makes up this local body of believers. And he wants to do anything he can to get to you. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. His goal is not just to mess around with you. His goal is to devour you. His goal is to stop you. His goal is to get you to a place where you stop serving the Lord, to, to just wreck your life. And we see a church under attack. And then we spent some time and we saw the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And I hope that you recognize today, we can't do this without the work of the Lord. We, we can't do this without the help of the Holy Spirit of God. And then we um, came to the place where we're studying uh, over the next several weeks, just a total makeover in our lives. What, what God does when you're saved, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you and changes you and gives you a total makeover. What you once were, you're no longer. Now, Satan will try to remind you. He'll try to get you to believe, you know, you are still that just old wicked person. And how could God love you? And how could God save you? And, and how possibly could a, could a God, a creator of this universe, a righteous, holy God, how could he love someone as a sinner like you and me? And that's what he dis- uh, tries to discourage you with. But we know this, that when the Holy Spirit of God comes inside, he changes us from the inside out. And we are loved of God because of who Jesus Christ is as we sang this morning. Boy, my heart was encouraged by the songs this morning. And I pray that you are as well. It's all because of Christ. It's all because of Jesus, the cross, that we are not what we used to be, but we are new creatures in Christ. Saul is a perfect example. We know him as the Apostle Paul, the writer of the majority of the New Testament. But in Acts chapter number 9, we saw last week that there's this man by the name of Saul. He He was persecuting Christians. Now, if you think you're bad, imagine being the Apostle Paul before he got saved. He was a part of murdering people. He would take innocent people and, and take them, men and women, and, and throw them in jail, all under the name of religion. His goal was to disrupt. His goal was to hurt. His goal was to imprison and ultimately kill anyone that claimed Jesus Christ as their savior. Saul thought he was doing a good thing, but he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and he was wonderfully saved. He was converted that day. And I want to pick up reading in verse number 10, if you'd follow along with me, Acts chapter 9 in verse number 10. The Bible goes on to tell us this in this story. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And I've seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his head on him, that uh, he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, "Lord, I have heard of many of this man ha, have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem." This is Saul's reputation. God says to Ananias, "I want you to go meet this this man by the name of Saul." And uh, Saul says, "I know who this is. He's got a pretty bad reputation." He's not one that Christians want to go meet with. And he hath authority from the chief priest to, to bind all that call on thy name. And so imagine here, this is Ananias saying, and in, in, in not arguing with the Lord, but just kind of being honest with the Lord. The Lord says, Ananias, I want you to go. There's a man by the name of Saul and he's, he's staying at a place on the street named Straight there in Damascus. And I want you to go to him and I want you to do something. And Ananias, it was like, God I just want to make sure you realize what you're saying I just want you to make sure you know who it is do you know what I know about Saul he's asking the Lord this he says do you do you do know the reputation that Saul has like he's imprisoning people like me and you want me to go and and speak to him God are you sure and God's answer is was this, go thy way. In verse number 15, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for thy name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And look with me in verse number 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Total makeover, a change. Father, would you help us today as we study your word? Would you help us today, Lord, as we just seek to draw closer to you. Lord, I know in this room that there are many that uh, need a touch from heaven today. They need your Holy Spirit to comfort them, to guide them, to direct them. Lord, we're yielded to you today. I pray that our hearts would be soft. I pray if there's anything, Lord, that's between you and I and anyone here in you in this room today that you would convict them. I pray that you would show them, Lord, their their way, and may they confess that. May they be right before you. And Lord, help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Saul was the one that was persecuting the church. Saul was the one that was killing Christians and uh, uh, imprisoning followers of Jesus Christ. And we find in chapter number nine that Saul met Jesus Christ. He met him on this road to Damascus. And now for these past three days, here's Saul. He's blind. He's unsure of his future. He's been fasting, the Bible says. He hasn't eaten a thing. And in verse number 11, it tells us that Paul is, or Saul is praying. In these nine verses, I, I want you to, 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 to see not Saul being the main character, but I want to look at this man named Ananias today. I want to look at this Ananias. Who, who is Ananias? Verse number tell, uh, 10 tells us that he's a disciple living in Damascus. Ananias is one that has already trusted Christ as a Savior. Ananias is one that's already living for God. We don't know how. I don't know if, if, if uh, uh, one of the apostles uh, had witnessed Ananias. I, I, I don't know how Ananias became a believer in Christ, but all we do know is this. He is a disciple, and he's living in Damascus. He's one of the disciples that Paul, uh, Saul is on his way to Damascus to take and imprison And so we find that Ananias really has every right to feel the way he feels towards Saul because it's Saul that was coming to take Ananias. If he would have met Ananias first, he would have taken Ananias. He would have imprisoned Ananias and he would have sent him back to Jerusalem for trial. We find in verse number 10 as well that this man named Ananias, he's a man that has a clear walk with God. Ananias is praying and in a vision, in a dream, the Holy Spirit of God comes and begins to talk with Ananias. And and so Ananias clearly was someone that walked with God. He knew how to have a conversation. He had a relationship with God. He got past just being saved and now he was walking with God. He was communing with God. This tells you a lot about Ananias' character. It tells you a lot about Ananias' relationship with the Lord. He was in a place where God, who wanted to use someone, he found a man named Ananias, and Ananias was a usable vessel for the Lord. Thirdly, I see this about Ananias. He is, he's been asked of the Lord to go and, and to pray with Saul. Imagine that. God has a work that he wants to do with this man named Saul. And Ananias is one that says, God says, Ananias, I want your help so that my work can be accomplished in the life of someone else. Now, this is important. I want you to listen closely here today. My message would be this, if I had a title today, When God Touches a Man and Requires Something of You. When God touches a man and requires something of you. As we're reading through this book, from this point forward, we're going to really start to see about this man named Saul, and his name is going to be changed to Paul, and Paul is going to become a great apostle. Paul is going to become a great uh, 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 disciple of Christ, and, and he's going to see a lot of uh, uh, miracles done, and, and God is going to use Paul in a, in a marvelous way. Matter of fact, Paul is going to write the majority of the New Testament. But before we get to that man, before Saul's name is Paul, before Saul becomes a great apostle, Paul, Saul is sitting blind in a house, unsure of his future. Just a few days previously, he's on the road. He thinks that he has his future under control. He thinks that these Christians must be stopped. He thinks that this following Jesus Christ is a scam and, and, it's, and it's bringing people away from Judaism and he, and he has to stop this. And just in a three-day period, he now sits in a house, blind and confused. Hasn't eaten a thing. He's praying. He's trying to figure out what God's going to do in his life. And God reaches down in the life of an Ananias and says, Ananias, I need your help. Now, did God really need Ananias? No, the reality is this. God doesn't need any of us. But God, despite the fact he doesn't need us, he still chooses to use you and I for his glory. He still chooses to use you and I for his work. He still chooses to use you and I so that he could be glorified in the lives of others. And I praise God for that. And when God touches a man, he requires something of you. You see, Christianity isn't a spectator sport. We, we don't just sit back and, and view the, the field of play. We, when God, when God saves you, he puts you in the field of play. I was in North Africa on a missions trip in in um, several years back and, in that area, there were these Roman colosseums that uh, in Tunisia, uh, these Roman colosseums that were built, and and in these Roman colosseums, they would they would have fights, and animals would fight each other. But but they also did this: they would take Christians uh, that that were believed in Jesus Christ, like like Saul would do, and, and they would take them, and, and they would put them in these cages. And I'll I'll never forget visiting that coliseum, that ancient coliseum. You could still walk up and down the steps. You can still go underground, and I I went under this tunnel and into into the the, uh, uh, underground area of this Colosseum. And as that guide was showing us, he came across these cages, these areas, these prisons. And he said this to me, he said, this is where the Christians were held before they were taken up above ground and attacked by gladiators and attacked by animals. This is the place where Christians would spend the last few moments of their life Boy, something, something just hit me. I, I walked into those, those uh, uh, cells. The bars obviously weren't there anymore, but these areas that used to be cells, and I, I, I knelt down on that ground. I thought to myself, how many tears were shed here on this ground? I thought to myself, how many people, how many prayers, the last prayers of, of many Christians were prayed in this area? And I'm telling you, it did something to me. And I spent a few moments there, and they, they wanted to, to, to get the, the tour moving, and, and I just couldn't seem to leave that area. And I thought to myself, oh, God, here are some people, they knew that in just a few moments they were going to see death, but they didn't renounce their faith. They didn't stop believing in you. They prayed, and they trusted you, and they believed what, the, what Jesus Christ had said to them. And We began this journey. We began to walk, and at that time I had no idea where I was, other than knowing that I was underground. As we took the ramp, we, I began to see daylight. As we came out of that ramp, we came out literally in the middle of this arena. I looked up and turned around and here, this 50,000 seat arena that the Roman, this, this Colosseum that the Romans built. I thought to myself, this was the last view that many Christians saw before they were speared by a gladiator before they were ripped apart by a wild beast, before their life, their blood was shed, all because they believed in Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you this morning, church, Christianity is not a spectator sport. God didn't save you just so that you could sit on the sidelines. There's too many Christians that have come before us that have given their life there's too many Christians that we hold this book, and I say to you every Sunday morning, turn to the book of Acts, or turn to First John, or turn to this chapter, or that chapter. We we, we hold this book, we carry this book, but, but we must know that there's many that gave their lives so that we have this book. They used to take the Christians. They would dip them in oil, Tom. And once they were dipped in oil, they would place them on the poles in the city streets of Rome. And when nighttime came, they would light those bodies of those Christians and it was the bodies of those Christians that gave light to the streets. They were streetlights, all because they would not renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. They would take Christians and they would put place Christians on tables and strap their feet and strap their, their arms and their shoulders. And that table would begin to just begin to stretch that Christian until they came to the place where every organ inside their body would be stretched and moved and it would kill them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They would take a husband and his family and they would rape their Wives and their daughters in front of the men because they would not renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. They would take believers like you and I to the gallows and there would be an executioner there, John the Baptist being one. They would take and cut the heads off of human beings like you and me all because they would not renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you, church, there is a great heritage. There is a great great body of believers. There's a great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us that have sacrificed and given all for what at times we take for granted. Here we come to this time where God is not expecting us to live just a spectator sport, watching what's happening in Christianity. And I say those are things that have happened in the past. I want you to know this, that today as we come with liberty and freedom in this nation, because men and women on this Veterans Day weekend have given their lives for that freedom. There are many people around this world that sit in persecution, their lives being threatened because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Christians, we need to be involved in the work. And so God is doing this uh, amazing, thrilling story, this amazing work on the road to Damascus. Church history is being written. One of the most influential Christians is about to be converted to Christ. The great apostle Paul, the writer of the most of the New Testament, Outside of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul doesn't even compare to Jesus Christ at all. I'm not even comparing him to Christ. Outside of Christ, Paul has much to do with with advancing the gospel to the known world. God will use this man to set church doctrine in order. Much of our church policy, much of our doctrine is set in order by this man, the Apostle Paul. God's going to use this man uh, to train missionaries, to evangelists, to pastors, first and Second Timothy and Titus, books of the Bible that we use in training, we, we, we find are written by, by this man, the Apostle Paul. God's going to use this man to teach us of the second coming of Christ in the book of First and Second Thessalonians. God's going to use this man to teach us of the Lord's table and, or, or communion and, in First Corinthians. Great churches are going to be established because of the work of this man. The impact of the Apostle Paul is going to be felt and is felt even in churches today. Yet it isn't Saul who we mention here in chapter 9, in these nine verses. It's an unknown disciple that God is going to use to encourage Saul at the beginning of Saul's ministry. Please mark this down somewhere in your heart. Every Saul needs an Ananias. Every Saul needs an Ananias. I don't think that God will ever use me the way that God used the Apostle Paul. And to be honest with you, I don't ask God that. But I do often ask God to make me an Ananias to encourage someone. Every Saul needs an Ananias. He needs someone faithful in his life. Every Saul needs an Ananias. He needs someone praying in his life. Every Saul needs an Ananias, somebody to be willing to be used of God and every uh, sacrifice for God, every Saul needs an Ananias, somebody that's willing to walk with God. Hear me today, we need a church full of Ananiases so that, so that when God is ready to, to, to send out a, a Saul, an apostle Paul, there are an army of Ananiases that'll come along someone and encourage them and pray for them and walk with God enough so that God can do it great work through this apostle paul you see christianity isn't just about the the big names christianity isn't just about the popular disciples There's a book that was written. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. A a, a man wrote this book of of the martyrs of the past. And in those pages, that that book, those pages you'll find, in some you won't even find names. You see, Christianity isn't always about famous people and big names and, and great missionaries and great preachers and great churches. Much of Christianity is about an unknown person. Willing to be used of God in the life of someone else so that God can do a great work for his name's sake. You see, Christianity isn't about famous ministries. Behind the scenes, there's an Ananias willing to be used of God. I want you to write this down. Number one, this morning, please, in verse number 11 and 12, uh, I want to read this again. Would you follow along with me? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and speak to Ananias, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Write this down, please, somewhere, and remember this. God uses Ananias in a work that wasn't about himself. A lot of times we'll get involved in something if we can get the credit for it. A lot of times we'll get involved in something if we get a pat on the back, if we get a mention. But God uses Ananias in a work that isn't about himself. Ananias is about ready to get involved in something. And from this point forward, we're not going to read of this man named Ananias. We're going to go on and we're going to read of this famous Apostle Paul, and we're going to read of his missionary journeys, we're going to read, uh, read of, of his persecution, we're going to read of, of this greatness that God is going to do through the Apostle Paul, and Ananias is going to take a step back in in, in, in unknownness in Christianity, and, and he's not going to be mentioned again, and, and we're not going to see him do great and mighty things. But God uses in Ananias in a work that's not about himself, and God desires to use people in the work of uh, his work that aren't going to take the credit, that aren't going to receive the glory, but are willing to be used so that God can be heard and seen. I want to ask you this morning, church, would you be willing to invest in someone else so that God can use them? And Ananias is willing to be used of God in the life of another. Will you, will, you, will you invest in the life of someone so that God can use that someone for his glory? I think of a VBS worker back in 1981, I think it was, 81. There was a a six-year-old boy that that attended a vacation Bible school that sat in an auditorium just like this. And and, and off to the side on this wall were some Sunday school classrooms. And and, in that vacation Bible school teacher, I have no idea what his name is. I couldn't tell you what he looked like today. I, I don't remember a thing about him other than this. He brought me into a small classroom. He shared the gospel with me, and I gloriously trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior that day at Vacation Bible School. I'm so glad that there was an Ananias that said I'll teach boys and girls at Vacation Bible School. I'm so glad that there was an Ananias that said I'll give up my time and invest in young people and share the gospel with young people. I don't know what God is going to use do in their life, but I'm willing to be an encouragement to someone so God can use them. I was interviewing for, for some uh, uh, positions in our school this past week, and so I was flying back back last night, and I sat where I sat. I told my wife it was the most interesting, most interesting plane ride. I sat next to uh, a uh, lady that was coming to Toledo to preach today at a church, and next to her, I sat next to an executive from, from HGTV. That uh, was going to Cleveland uh, to do, uh, do one of those shows on HGTV. Most interesting conversation. A woman preacher and a lady from HGTV. We got talking and sharing some things, and, and the, the stewardess, uh, she overheard some things, so she got into it and, and began to say, You know what? I, I started reading my Bible all the way through, and I don't really understand much of it. Interesting conversation. Interesting uh, uh, talk and, and uh, really, really interesting, I could tell you. It was a long plane ride and we talked about a lot of things. We began to share the gospel with that, with that stewardess that was standing there begin to share the truth of the, the gospel and, and gave her a gospel track and begin to tell her who Jesus Christ was and and, and, and uh, uh, what he did for her. And, and before that plane ride was over, she trusted Christ as her Savior. And I don't say this at all. I've led Steward, uh, stewardess to the Lord on airplanes, and, 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 and uh, first time I led some of the Lord, I was in fourth grade, and, and sitting on my step there in Philadelphia, we were shooting basketball in a square uh, milk carton with the bottom cut out with no backboard, just attached by a couple nails on a, on a light post, and after we were finished, I went in and took a Bible and, and showed that person how to, how to know Christ as their Savior, and, and that young boy trusted Christ as his Savior, and since that time, many times over the years, year after year, I had the opportunity to share Christ with people. I stand here pastoring what I believe is one of the greatest churches, at least in Monclova. <laughs> the truth is, I believe one of the greatest churches today, because there was an Ananias that said, I'll teach boys and girls. I'll take a young six-year-old boy and share the gospel with him. I'll give up work and and sacrifice my time and learn a lesson and and, and be ready to to give the gospel to some boy. And I don't know what God's gonna do with that young boy, but I'll tell you this, many souls have been saved and, and, and the work of God has gone forth because there was an Ananias that said, I'll work at a vacation Bible school and teach young boys and girls about Jesus. I remember man by the name of Sayaniz, he married Michelle and I. Young 20-some-year-old, green behind the ears. I knew I loved the Lord and loved my wife. And he said, I want to give you an opportunity to serve in ministry. What pastor would let a 20-some-year-old guy come in and work with his youth group? never had children, the kid himself. He just wanted to be an Ananias. I was interviewing a fella, he's 27 years old, and I said to my wife over the phone, I said, boy, he just, he's just so young. He seems so young. You know, when you go and you interview at these colleges, and, you know, the older you get, the younger, you, you, you look at high school. When I was in high school, I thought I was, you know, big deal. I look back and I say, wow, they are so young. I said to my wife, I said, boy, I really like this guy. He uh, seems to have passion. And boy, she said, um, I said, but he's 27. She said, oh, this age you were when you went to Cincinnati and became the administrative pastor at a large church. I said, that's different. That was me, not this kid, you know. I'm so glad there was a man by the name of Bill Duttrey willing to invest in a 27-year-old and give a 27-year-old a chance. Lord called me to pastor a church in Columbus, Georgia, and I'm so glad there was a deacon by the name of Daniel Henderson. wasn't gonna get the credit, wasn't gonna be in the limelight, but he was always encouraging me, always encouraging my family. It was an Ananias. There was a lady, she was, if she was three foot tall, I might be exaggerating a foot or so. Grandma White, she'd come to me and she'd say, Pastor, I don't know what you're going through, but I know you're going through something. The Lord woke me up at 3.30 this morning and I began to pray for you. when she'd say things like that, I'd just begin to cry because at 3.30 in the morning, I'd be up praying for someone or praying and begging God for something or something would be on my heart. And here's a grandma. white. God would wake up at the same time and she'd say, I'm praying for you. And she was never going to preach a great sermon. She was never going to pastor a church. She's not going to go down as, as a, great, uh, a great person. There's not going to be books written about her. But, but she was willing to be an Ananias for someone so God's work could be done. You see, God is calling others to his work and he's calling some to help them. Teachers investing in children. Teen workers investing in teens. Adults willing to teach. Write this down, number two, if you would please, in verse number 13 and 14. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on his name. I want you to write this down, please. When you're willing to be an Ananias, God calls at times, his calling at times can make us very uncomfortable. Being an Ananias can become uncomfortable. Ananias said, Wait a minute, this is Saul. You do know who you're talking about, right, God? He's trouble. He has a reputation. This could cost me something. This could cost me something dear. Hey, listen to me this morning, church. In Ananias, if you're willing to be an Ananias in the life of someone else, it's going to cost you something. We, we, we need church members. We need Christians today that are willing to sacrifice They're willing to get into the game. Hey, they don't have to have a big name. They don't have to be the coach. They don't have to be in charge. They just they're just willing to get in the game and 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 willing to sacrifice so God can work. I think of all of the people that were saved because of Saul's ministry. Ananias had a part. No, Ananias, we don't read of Ananias ever leaving Damascus. We read of Paul going on great missionary journeys. We read of, of Paul witnessing and great scores of people being saved and churches being planted and, and men like Timothy and Titus taking what Saul or the Apostle Paul invested in them and, and going out and doing great things. And Ananias isn't mentioned. Except right here where Ananias realized it's going to cost him something. Church, listen to me today. We need churches. We need Christians that are willing to pay the price. We need Christians that are willing to sacrifice. We need Christians that are willing to serve. We need Christians that are willing to invest. This could cost me something. Yes, but it's for the work of God. Following the Lord will always cost you something. The, 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 these preachers that say this, hey, you, you, you want everything in life to go well and and, and, and you want all your problems to go away and and, and and you want everything to go smooth in life, just 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 pray this prayer and send me 25 bucks. You just wasted 25 bucks. Because a call to be a Christian is not a call to an easy life. If that's why you got saved, you got saved for the wrong reason. Someone, someone fooled you. Oh, oh, once you're saved, you now have a comforter. You now have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You now have direction for the Lord. But it doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. It doesn't mean that your bank account's always going to be full. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be sick. Listen to me. Following the Lord will always cost you something. And, oh, church, are you willing to sacrifice for the work of the Lord? Will you be used of God even if you have to sacrifice something? Will you be willing to to, to invest so that God can move forth with the gospel? Please write this down. My time is is uh, being done here. Verse number 15, I hurry. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and and the children of Israel for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I want you to write this down. Number three, God's vision is clear to the Lord. God knows what he's doing. Listen, to me. it doesn't matter what sacrifice you've given, it doesn't matter where you find yourself in life today, what turmoil you find yourself in, what what stress you find yourself in, what place you find yourself in today, God knows what he's doing. He's in control. And I want you to see something else I find here. There's a bigger picture than we can see. And this is where faith is required. On December 8th, next month, I'm going to present to our church what we call Vision 2020. I'm gonna present to our church a 20-year plan for our church. And I'm asking the Lord, I'm asking the Lord to give me at least 20 years past more of pastoring this church and leading this church and setting this church to a place so that we can ensure a, another 20 years with a generation that comes after us. You say, 20 years, I'm not gonna be here. What do I care? Because God has a work to do. And there's gonna be somebody right now sitting in our Sunday school classrooms and somebody in our youth department and somebody in our nurseries and they're going to be the next deacons and staff members and teachers and leaders in this church. And they need an Ananias. It's going to invest in them. And it's going to require great faith, and we're not always going to see the big picture. And Ananias didn't see down the road and see the many people that were going to be saved and the many missionary journeys that saw Paul was going to go on and the books of the Bible that were going to be written and the Timothys and the Titus's and the Philemons, He didn't see any of that, but he believed that God and his word was true. Oh, Christian, are you willing to live for eternity's sake? Are you willing to live for eternity's sake? Are you willing to be an Ananias? You might not see it in your lifetime. You might not see it right now. You might have to go through some loss. You might have to go through some trials. You might have to go through some sacrifice, but are you willing to invest so that an apostle Paul can be used of God? Are you willing to invest invest so that missionaries can go around this world? Are you willing to invest so the gospel of Jesus Christ can be heard in villages and tribes that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to invest so that churches can be planted and, 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 and revitalized? Are you willing to invest so that Toledo can hear the gospel and, and be strong and, and, and send out great men like the Apostle Paul to do the work of God? Are you willing to be an Ananias? Are you willing to sacrifice, Father?